Hello, this is Jennifer Davis Page at Boom Goddess Radio, and we're here in the studio today with my partners, Andrea, Dr. Andrea Gould-Marx and Bibi Peters. We have some wonderful guests with us today, and we can't wait to get started. I wanted to tell all of you that October is Audiology Awareness Month. And we hear a lot about smells and sights of autumn, from pumpkin spice to briskly colored foliage. But what about our sounds? How is your hearing? Dr. Christy Moore is our guest today to encourage you to remember how important your hearing is to your daily life. Welcome, Dr. Christy Moore. Hi, thank you for having me. You're very, very welcome. Dr. Christy Moore owns this Noran Hearing Care. Um, is, are you calling it a clinic, Dr. Moore? Uh, yeah, it's a private practice audiology clinic. All right. Why don't you tell our listeners about it? So it is a locally owned um, private practice audiology and hearing clinic. So we focus on hearing aspects, um, which includes hearing aids, assistive devices, cochlear implants, and tinnitus strategies and managements. So we um, test hearing, we provide treatments and managements for hearing loss and tinnitus, and then we uh, build that rapport and that relationship with our patients for a long, long time. Oh, that's excellent. Barbara, would you like to start with the next question to Dr. Moore? Sure. Hi, Dr. Moore. Hi. Um, thanks for being here. I have had hearing loss since 1995, and it has gotten progressively worse. And right now, my right ear is really bad. Okay. Um, and so I, my, and I have a neuromuscular disorder called myasthenia gratis. And I guess my question is about. Um, the diminished hearing in relationship to the myasthenia, relationship to age, etc. Can you? Okay. Is is that too much question? <laughs> no, I'll try to I'll try to take it one at a time if I can. Okay. <laughs> so first of all, let me ask you this: Have you ever had a hearing test? Oh yes, and I wear hearing aids, and I've worn hearing aids since 1995. Okay, wonderful. So you have. Um, treated your hearing loss and have started the process of auditory rehabilitation, which is great. Um, when you no longer hear the sounds that you used to um, due to various things such as aging, disease, um, you know, some medications, uh, loud noise, those types of things, then our brain forgets how to hear and recognize those sounds like it once did. So it's very important that we give that information back, um, which hearing aids and other assistive devices can be a great way to um, help with that. Um, what that does is that helps keep the brain healthy, keeps the parts of the brain, such as the auditory system, um, active so that that information is, is recognized and the brain knows what to do with it as far as our processing, things like that. Um, so the fact that you've done that since 1995 is really great. Now, it doesn't stop the progression of the hearing loss. Your hearing may continue to get worse, and other diseases can sometimes um, affect that as well, especially neuromuscular type diseases or anything that is affecting the neural system. So um, what is important for you to do is to probably have your hearing tested annually. 
and make sure you're working with a good um, audiologist who can assess that, make sure that if there are changes, they can monitor that, find out what's going on, uh, reprogram those hearing aids, um, offer assistive devices, make sure that you're getting the most out of that to help you hear and communicate the best you can. Auditory training is also a wonderful thing. Um, doing lots of listening exercises helps keep your brain active. So those things can help you um, with maintaining good hearing health um, for your, your whole life. Do you actually have hearing exercises or is my daily life of work and I'm still working full time? <laughs> but are there really specific exercises? There are. Um, again, it depends on how much speech you are involved in in your day-to-day -day life. If you have a type of job or a type of social life where you're interacting with people, conversations all the time, that is a form of auditory exercises or auditory training. That's helping your brain stay healthy by allowing speech um, to be coming in and being recognized. So you're doing a lot of that on your own. Um, the other things we talk about, though, is to supplement that is auditory books are a wonderful source, podcasts, listening to those, um, even watching the television with closed caption on. That is a really good way because when you see it with your eyes and you hear it, that helps to integrate those two senses together and helps your brain continue to process that information. So it, again, it really depends on your lifestyle as to how much supplemental um, auditory exercises we might recommend. Thank you. Just want to say one thing that's so important. Yes. A lot of people don't recognize that it's not just the ear apparatus. Correct. It is the brain that concerns us the most. That's and exactly that communication. Right. So I love that piece of education that you provide, Dr. Christie, because it's amazing how sometimes people don't take it beyond the actual instrument called ear. It really is. And that's something that I've, um, you know, changed in my practice. Um, I've been doing this now for 20 years. And of course, I'm still learning as I go. And I'm always educating myself to become the best audiologist that I can. And so um, when more and more information came out, you know, about how important hearing is to maintaining good uh, mental health, as well as keeping um, our brains active and healthy, and the links that untreated hearing loss has with uh, memory and dementia and things like that, it's one of the factors that we can actually modify in our younger life um, by treating our hearing loss sooner to help possibly stave off things like um, memory issues and dementia later on in life. Clear, definitely clear. So do we have another life experience offered into this beautiful mm -hmm. conversation? Marla? Sure. Um, I, I have a question. Well, was a, a, a candidate for Congress and attending many meetings. That unless I sat right in the front row, I couldn't hear. I didn't understand what was going on. So I immediately got my uh, my hearing checked. Uh, to back up a little bit, we had made a trip to China several years before that, and I got really sick in Tibet and ended up uh, on the Yangtze cruise violently ill. Uh, the only doctor was a Chinese doctor. I have no idea what he prescribed, but uh, I just continued to get worse. And when I got home, I went to the ear, eye, nose, throat doctor, and he said, you're completely deaf in your left ear. 
and, uh, because this sinus, like I have kind of now, had settled in there. And we had done lots of airplane flights, so we were up and down, up and down. And that uh, landing is really hard on the ear, inner ear. So um, he told me, he says, this will go away. It will get better. And it did. It took about six months, and then I got most of my hearing back. But anyway, uh, I went, I got my hearing tested uh, when I was a candidate and got hearing aids, and it changed my life as far as being able to really tune in and really listen and give feedback. So uh, I think it's, uh, it, it's been wonderful for me. And um, I was told at the time that my hearing probably would not get much worse, and I don't think it has. Um, it seemed to be pretty congenital in my family. My father and his sister and his mother all had hearing loss. They all lived long lives. And uh, so um, I will continue to stay tuned so that I can stay sharp. But I loved what you said about closed captions because I have that on all the time. Never thought that I was exercising my hearing and brain having it on. That's right. Absolutely. That's that's a really good, good way to do it. When your vision is going down too. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <Yep>. Like computer <laughs> glasses. It's like hearing vision, like, uh, we'll try. So Lala, you have a story, and that's no mean feat, right? I have a story? No, yeah, I, don't you have a story? I have a question. But it is a little story because I was raised in the 70s when we had those old console stereos, and I'd crank it right up, and my mommy would say, you're going to go deaf. And it's a twofold question because I was sort of explaining, we have the closed captioning and we also, but my husband is now working from home a lot. So I wear the TV ears. Do you know what I mean? Cause I like the noise and he likes that library silence. And I wonder about that, is that hurting my ears? And I think about these kids now that are just juicing their ears full of all of this noise. What do you feel about that? Those are good questions. So um, that's becoming definitely a topic more so now because we have so many different types of ear devices from AirPods and EarPods and over the head, over the ear headphones. Um, and especially now with our kids, yeah. Um, if, a lot of children right now, like my son, are doing remote school. And so they're using um, earphones or headphones while they're remoting into their class. And so they're on those, those types of calls, you know, six to eight hours a day, right? But they have to be, because that's the only way they can really do it. Um, so the TV ears that you use, um, again, it's, that's delivering a nice direct audio input directly from, yes, exactly. So that's delivering direct input from the television through that device to your ear. So it's not having to go out into space, bouncing around different things like our sound waves do. So you're getting that nice clear signal and it sounds beautiful and you can turn it up and make it however you want to. Um, I recommend those types of devices all the time, even with my patients that have hearing aids because sometimes those work better for watching television. Although now a lot of hearing aids have their own TV devices, which can plug into your television and direct to the devices. So that helps a lot too. Um, but what I would say with anything, you want to make sure you keep the volume at a reasonable level because you can give yourself noise-induced hearing loss 
if you turn headphones, earphones, and those types of things up too loud because the sound is so close um, inside the ear to the eardrum. So definitely those are wonderful pieces of technology, but we have to make sure we're using them wisely. And God bless our children. That's right. <laughs> uh, if you could perhaps just take a moment to describe the look of the device that Lala was just pointing to on our Zoom call, right? Uh, so that our listeners can see it in their mind's eye. Right, it's a U-shaped wire with, with inserts at the top of the U. Yep. And what's in the middle there, Lala, at the bottom of the Oh, she will know better. It's the receiver, I guess. So you just turn it on. And so my husband, again, is working more from home, and he likes it library quiet. I I need the noise, and I don't even listen to it. But this is my new friend, because I can turn on the television, and he won't hear a thing. And there you go. What is it called if we order it from Amazon? What is it called exactly? TV Ears. Oh, okay. So now our listeners know what to order. TV ears. Ladies, we're going to take a brief break and we'll be back in just a moment. Don't go away. Welcome back to Boom Goddess Radio. This is Jennifer Davis Page in the studio with B.B. Peters and Dr. Andrea Gould-Marks. We're here with our guest, Dr. Christy Moore. Ladies, so let's get right to it. Dr. Christy Moore, what does an audiologist do? We have all these, these questions and comments, and is that all in your purview? Well, that's a great question that I get asked a lot. In fact, I don't think a lot of people really know what an audiologist is or does. And so when I tell people, I still get the question of, oh, when I say I'm an audiologist and they say, oh, what is that? And I get to say, well, <laughs> I am a, <laughs> I'm an individual um, that has an audiologist actually is a medical professional or a healthcare professional that has trained in speech and hearing sciences, primarily hearing and auditory system, um, so that they can learn how the auditory system hears, interprets, and processes speech and language. And therefore, um, we study about all parts of the ear, from the outer part that we refer to as our ear, all the way to the inner ear, as well as the nerve and into the auditory processing centers of our brain. So it's a whole complete uh, system. Audiologists are either have a master's level of education or a doctorate, either a clinical doctorate like an AUD, which is what I have, or a PhD. And so that requires additional education beyond um, the bachelor's degree. It's now a bachelor's degree plus a four-year uh, doctorate degree. At the time that I went through, it was a bachelor's with a master's, and then I went back and got my doctorate later on. Um, so we are trained not just to um, diagnose hearing loss, but also to provide treatment options, which can be anything from hearing aids, assistive devices, cochlear implants, auditory training, um, tinnitus management as well. Um, and there are aspects of our career that also focus on pediatrics, um, how to make kids hear better and managing those, as well as 
our balance system vestibular. So there are audiologists that are specially trained to assess why a person may be getting dizzy or have vertigo. And there's special testing that is done to figure out what's going on there so that they can assess um, what parts of the ear or the brain are causing the dizziness and then provide treatment and management based on that as well. So there's a lot of hats that audiologists wear um, and there's lots of places that we can work, um, hospital settings, clinics, private practice like mine, ear, nose and throat offices. Um, so there's a lot of, of a lot of things that audiologists do. We're more than just um, hearing aid salespeople. We're, we're more than just fitting hearing aids. Uh, but that's kind of in a nutshell of what, what an audiologist does. And I wanna say something about you, Dr. Christy Moore, as yeah. a particular audiologist, right. that some time ago we had another conversation yes. um, among the boom goddesses. And we talked about um, your origins how does a woman like you find out enough about the field to choose to become an audiologist? And there's two pieces of that. One most important, which I think is your musical background. Right. right? But by the same token, what about the young people who are looking to find their place in the world? So can you talk a little bit about your musical background? Absolutely. So your journey, your journey. <laughs> When I was in uh, elementary school, I started uh, playing the flute in band and started taking private lessons and did that and actually really enjoyed that. Playing a musical instrument was great and I got actually pretty good at it. Um, did it all through junior high and into high school, competed in state level competitions, um, went into college and actually started out as a music major and again took all the music courses, uh, continued with private lessons and you know, decided, looked at my options as far as what degree I could do and what were my career options going forward. And it came down to what did I really like to do and what was I willing to do? <laughs> How much effort was I willing to really put in to um, making myself a career musician? And I kind of sat down and thought, I don't think I want to do that. So I enjoyed playing the flute. It was, it was a wonderful um, resource. It was, it was actually very relaxing in a lot of ways, but it was a lot of work. And it, it, when I sat down, it just didn't get me excited the way that I thought it should. So I changed my major and continued with a, a minor in music and actually started looking at some other courses. Um, I looked at the allied health professions because I always was very interested in healthcare and but I, did, I, w I didn't think I wanted to be a nurse or, or a physician. Um, but you know, physical therapy was interesting, occupational therapy. And then there was this, this, uh, this part of the healthcare that was uh, speech pathology with hearing. And I thought, that sounds kind of interesting. So I took a course and of course it was all about speech pathology. And then there was a little bit about hearing and audiology. And that's what really got me interested. And so I immediately switched over my major and um, we had to train, you get a lot of training as an audiologist in speech pathology, because again, hearing and speech are very important aspects. So you get a good foundation of, in speech training and then you um, can move over into your audiology once you get past your undergrad. So that's what I did. And um, my music background, because I had to really train my ear um, how to listen to very finite nuances of music, um, I have what's called relative pitch, not perfect pitch. So you can start a note and then I can match that pitch going from there. 
Um, some people have perfect pitch where, you know, you tell them, okay, play an A for 40 and they can hum it and it's right on pitch. I can't quite do that. And most musicians can't. Um, but that's, that's how I got my start. And so I, I look at my musical background as a way that really helped me going into um, a hearing care profession. That really helped me to do that. Lala, you have something that you want to add. I do. It, I guess it will go back to vertigo. Because 32 years ago, my husband and I celebrated our, our marriage on a cruise ship. And the second I got off that boat, I had such extreme vertigos. just like everything was going like that. And it still is to this day. Sometimes I'll be driving down the street and it's like the... Is that inner ear? It can be. So vertigo um, or balance is can be related to our inner ear because our inner ear has two parts. We have the cochlea, which contains our organ of hearing. And then we have these three semicircular canals, which are kind of attached at the base to the cochlea. So these two organs share fluid and share blood flow and all of that. And both of them are extremely important. Um, nerves of hearing and balance go to these two organs. So when you have some, sometimes when you have an issue with your hearing, it can affect your balance. Sometimes when you have an issue with your balance, it can affect your hearing. Again, because those two organs are so closely related to one another. Wow. Yeah, but it can also be higher up in the system. So then we start looking at brainstem, and then we start looking at higher organs and systems within the brain itself. Sometimes you can have an issue with your balance, and it's not necessarily in your ear, but it's along the nerve or the brainstem or even in uh, the balance part of the brain. So that's why when you have an attack of that, um, it's good to get a test to find out what is going on. And there are um, audiologists that specifically are trained to assess your entire balance system. That's something that I learned how to do when I was in school, but it was something for me that wasn't, wasn't something that I wanted to do. And so in my um, career, I don't work with the vestibular or the balance system, but I still have to learn about it. And I still take courses about it because it's so integral in our hearing aspect. And of course, we have patients that come in to see us, of course, they may have some, some balance or vestibular system too. But you also have other parts. You have your, um, your sense of where you are in space. So that part of your, of your brain or nerve has to tell your brain where you are. And then your visual too. So you have all of those, those things working on. So it's your, it's your ear, it's your ability to to be standing in place and your brain to know where you are um, as well as, as visually seeing that. And if something gets off kilter, one of those three senses, then it can cause those things to happen. It can cause you to have the balance, the vertigo, all of those issues too. So it's, yes, it is, it is highly related to the ear, but it may not just be the ear. So that's why I'm a little wonky. <laughs> you said it, not me. <laughs> Christy, I have a question. I, my audiologist that I was seeing retired and the, the, it, was, it was bought by a corporation and now I have been, was referred to a hearing aid dispenser. Okay. Who, who has helped me greatly, but I'd like, can you tell us what the difference is? Sure. So it's, it's really a difference of education. 
So an audiologist has a minimum of a bachelor's degree and a master's degree in speech and hearing sciences or a master's of audiology. Um, and a hearing aid, and, and most of us now have a doctorate. So whether we went on and got the AUD, which is the clinical doctorate of audiology, or a PhD, which is doctor philosophy in research and audiology clinical. Um, so, so that's the difference there. So it's education. Whereas a hearing aid dispenser, um, and depends on the state, but in Arizona, they, they can have a minimum of a high school education or, or equivalent. And then um, usually what they do is they can take courses or work with um, someone who has a license, whether it's an audiologist or a dispenser, and do hours in learning um, how to test for the purpose of fitting a hearing aid, how to fit hearing aids, um, how to assess hearing loss in that respect. So their education or their, um, their interpretation is, is much more limited. They are, um, they are specifically trained more for testing your hearing for the purpose of seeing if you're a hearing aid candidate and then fitting you with appropriate devices with that. And so again, it depends on how much training they've had. And um, in hearing sciences, some take you know, additional courses um, and get more information with regards to that. But, but the difference is that a hearing aid dispenser is gonna focus more on treating your hearing loss through the use of hearing aids and assistive devices. Uh, how do you organize your practice? Do you have these specialists who actually give the tests? Do you do it all yourself? Yeah, that's a great question. So, um, so I'm the owner of, of my practice, but I'm also um, the audiology practitioner. So I do every, I do things as well. So I do the hearing testing. Um, I do the tinnitus management. I do the cochlear implant um, assessments and programming. So I do a lot of the patient care, fitting the devices, helping to troubleshoot. I have another staff audiologist that she does all the same things as well as I do. So the two of us work together in tandem and we each have our strengths, um, which is great because there's some things that she's really good at that maybe I'm not and vice versa. So that's wonderful. We have two wonder, we have two very unique personalities, which is great. So that helps with our, with our patient caseload too. And then um, in the past, we've had an audiology assistant um, that is someone that would do more of our um, basic maintaining of the devices. So they would see like our clean and check appointments because we want to see people two to three times a year to have help maintain and thoroughly clean those hearing aids or troubleshoot hearing aids when they're not working or help them pair devices to their phones and accessories. Um, so we lost our assistant at the end of April. She uh, decided to leave and, and go to a different uh, career field. So we're in the process now of training a new person for that purpose. Um, so that's kind of how we work. And then I have an office manager that handles all the business side of things, um, as well as a front desk person too. So that answers the phones and, and does most of the patient care as well. We're going to have to end part one of this very interesting conversation with Dr. Christy Moore. But stay tuned because we've got part two coming up. This program has been underwritten by Sonora Hearing Care. For more information, visit our website, boomgoddessradio.com, and follow us on Facebook, Boom Goddess. We'd love to hear from you. Your interest powers our programs.